0: The Rebel Leadership Podcast, a refreshing take on authentic leadership told through real stories. Let's smash the status quo and change how leaders lead once and for all. Today on the Rebel Leadership Podcast, we're talking to Kate Clark. She's a leader in higher education with a huge team under her wing. We reflect on the eight principles of Rebel Leadership according to Harvard Business Review. You know, there's been times when when I didn't handle things with ease and you know there was the moment when I was very frustrated by how I handled something in a room that that you were in and and your boss was in and I was pregnant at the time so I was very hormonal and I literally took a a cannoli off the table I said Kate I need you to start the next meeting for me (laughs) and I went into the bathroom and I sat there and I bawled my eyes out like a hot mess eating my cannoli
1: (laughs) I remember that day well I do and it's, it's hard to, to it's muster hard. the courage sometimes to <laughs> speak your truth. But this kind of rebel leadership, these tenets, like it reminds you of like why that's a good idea, why, it, you know, why people should be more courageous in that, in that arena. I think leadership is all about people and it's harnessing the power of people and what we're capable of doing. I mean without people there's no leadership right and so I think a lot of managers can get caught up in process which um, I you know is important and it's an important part of business but leadership is all about people and it's harnessing the potential bringing out the best and finding out how to do that and I certainly don't think it's easy I think it's a it's it's something that Especially as a, a leader, when I was a new leader many, many years ago, there's been this evolution for me. I mean, yeah. I certainly didn't have all the answers when I, when I started leading and mm-hmm. certainly have learned a lot since then. But I think it's just all about bringing out the best in the people that you're working with.
0: Yeah. And having humility to know that you're, not, you're, not, you're always going to be a work in progress. You're never going to be the perfect leader and being humble and reflective in those moments so that you can learn from it and try not to make those same mistakes or same approaches that didn't go the way you wanted the next day. Um, and I, I think it's worth calling out these eight principles of leadership and let's just have a little story time about each. So the first one is seek out the new. So this one we've referred to, um, cause you've been my client for many years, but I also see you just as a friend and a and a peer. Um, so when we talk about it on our accounts, um, we talk about it as the status quo. So when in this principle of rebel leadership, it's, it's all about being very easy to fall back into your routines and just mindlessly follow them day to day. But true rebel leaders start questioning that status quo. They start asking questions and constantly challenging what they've either put in place or what they've thought to be true and just pushing past that to find the new, to drive ideas. What's your take on, on this point?
1: I think it's so critical. And I think you've probably heard that quote uh, growth happens outside the comfort zone. You know, it's, it's just a, something I think we have to force ourselves to do is push our boundaries Mm -hmm. and, you know, using COVID as an example, I mean, we had a playbook in the work that we do. We've been relying on that playbook relentlessly and then COVID comes along and we also had a cyber attack, you know, within a few months. So we've got these two kind of unexpected occurrences and we had to throw our playbook out and kind of just start over and figure out what, what can we do to make this work given the, the current circumstances? Uh, I I certainly don't think it's easy, but it's, it's very necessary uh, to do and to continue to challenge ourselves as leaders.
0: Yeah. It's being uncomfortable. It's being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that is something that you, you don't really realize when you're a person that's naturally comfortable and uncomfortable. You don't realize how hard that is for, for the people around you. And going back to your point about the people, like that is what's so critical is making sure everybody around you in this leadership position can feel the reason why we're going through this time, like the vision, the the constant pursuit of that end goal and their peace in that whole thing so that you can be the one to bring calm and comfort. And while you seek out the new, right? So the second point of rebel leadership is to encourage constructive dissent. Basically, how I take this one is surround yourself with people who disagree with you.
1: You know, I came from the for-profit world and have been in nonprofit higher ed, and I came into it without ever seeing such constructive dissent. Here, you have all these highly educated people sitting around the table that are very much experts in their field, mm-hmm. and they encourage this type of of debating and conversing about their beliefs. And it was something that was very uncomfortable to me initially, but I learned to become, I, I kind of learned how it, it actually can be very constructive and bringing those different voices to the table. Um, there's, there's something in the collective that's much more powerful than just your own personal perspective and what you believe to be the best route.
0: Absolutely. And I think about like mentors that I've had in the past and they were just fantastic at getting the right people to the table to have that hard conversation and just laying it all out there. So I think about um, someone we both know, Jeff Johnson, his magic was at the whiteboard. He just had this presence once he was at a whiteboard and he's, he's pulling out something this one person said and he's scribbling it down and he's making everybody seem like their ideas are exceptional, but they're more exceptional when they're together, written down together. And it's just naturally shows why, um, there's power in the collective. I could not agree more. Um, but there, there's clear cut leaders who just do not believe this. And they don't realize that like the what's in their wake is not effective when they're just looking for everybody to just agree with what their perspective is. And then they can move on. That's the fastest way to lose good talent.
1: Agreed. I and mean, I think you have to create a space where you're encouraging that. And you do a good job of this. It's like, okay, here's, here's what our thoughts are. Here's our idea. Here's our plan. Like, put holes in it. Tell us yeah. what we're missing. And I think creating that healthy space and inviting that is a critical part. So people feel comfortable having those conversations.
0: Right. The third principle of the eight is open conversations, don't close them. So in this article, they're talking about rebels being willing to keep their minds open. This one, we actually had a podcast recording the other day about the power of saying yes at work and the benefit that that can have on people. What's your, what's your take on keeping conversations opening and just the language that, that rebel leaders use?
1: I think, it's, I think it's important as a leader to be curious and to be inquisitive and to ask why and what if we did it this way. Um, but learning, I think it's part of the learning process and also recognizing if, if whether something's working really well or whether it's not working, Um, We want to know what's working well, what's not working well. And if it's not working, what can we do to problem solve? Mm -hmm. But it's asking, it's having the courage to continue kind of digging into whatever the the issue might be um, that I think is so important uh, and really not stopping with the status quo, but continuing to be curious.
0: When you think about yourself in past life, like did you ever have a moment in your career where you just constantly found yourself saying no to ideas? And and did you have any sort of aha moment where it was like, maybe what if I reframe that to say like, yes, like let's build on that idea. Did it change anything for you?
1: I I do. I've evolved as a leader. As I mentioned, I was in for-profit for uh, 14 years and then moved into nonprofit education. And in the for-profit space that I was in, there was a very standard playbook. It was a very regulated environment, and so I became so used to almost ru- routine-like yeah. the way I approach things. And when I came to my current role, um, I, I was encouraged to to think differently, and so it forced me to continue asking questions and recognizing that while something may have worked this way at a certain place or time, it doesn't necessarily work. Uh, Here in the here and now,
0: the fourth principle is reveal yourself and reflect. I think when you reveal yourself and you reveal that as a leader you're not perfect. Just because you have some fancy title does not mean that you haven't gone through these roller coasters of life, and especially in your career. Um, When you reveal yourself and you are vulnerable and authentic to your core, what that how that changes a room dynamic and a meeting dynamic is so immense.
1: I think it's so important to humanize. And I think when you see another colleague, whether that be a peer, a supervisor, someone that reports to you, uh, be a human. Like we're all humans in this together. And I think it allows you to reach a different level of connection with someone um, to really try to understand their perspective. I think it's also important to recognize you don't have all the answers. I mean, Mm -hmm. I will be the first person to tell you that if a week goes by where I'm not learning something in my role that I didn't know previously, then it hasn't been a good week for me. And so I don't have all the answers as a leader. I look to the people around me, the people I work alongside, the people that report up to me to continue learning from. And I think it's important to admit that we don't, as leaders, we don't have all the answers. You help us you inspire us to, to, to find those. And collectively uh, we are smarter than we.
0: Yeah. And when you, when you share these stories with people about like, especially when you're trying, you're doing a coaching moment, it's one-on-one and you drop the guard and you drop the polish and you just share the story about like, Hey, listen, I really struggled with the same point at this point in my career. Here's Here's what I used to be like and here's what got me over that hurdle. When you just are authentic with that person, it's like a friend. Like you don't want a polished answer as a friend. You want a friend, a real right. friend who is themselves around you. And I don't see why there's any difference when it comes to working.
1: I think that honesty and transparency is so important in communication. Like I
0: remember some of our big working sessions. We would have like 25 people at the table and the tension cut it with a knife, man. <laughs> and we we did this thing together where like after everybody left, we would just both like deep sigh of relief. We'd like relax in the chair and then we would write on the whiteboard behind your head this picture of a thought bubble and it's like what I wish I would have said in that room is this yes. because they were all giant a-holes and none of them were listening to each other and they were all trying to prove their ego and be right you're very like not ego driven right but it's like why are we so you know if I were to replay those conversations back I wish I wish we would have just said the real it would save us so much time if we just said if we just told the truth in those hard moments like why do you feel like we can't do that in those settings
1: I I think there's this hierarchy and I think the newer generations behind us, I mean, I'm 48 and I look at there's people on my team that are in their twenties and they push the boundaries with this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And the hierarchy is not as much of a hierarchy in their eyes in their social context as it is from my generation and the people, you know, my parents' generation, I think there's this um, kind of, undertone of well you're you know this these people are above me from a hierarchical standpoint and we um, they 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 know best and we just kind of have to button our lip and and sit back mm. and watch this ping pong match when in reality when you have the courage to step in and I think the professional courage um, but it can make a difference. And there's many times in my career where I didn't, I was, a. I buttoned my lip and didn't say, and didn't speak my truth. And I look back and regret those moments.
0: Right. And that's the reflection side. Like, it's very important that at the end of those hard days, you're like, you know what? I'm going to handle that differently next time, or I'm going to build on more of that because that worked exceptionally well. You know, there's been times when when I didn't handle things with ease. And, you know, there was the moment when I was very frustrated by how I handled something in a room that, that you were in and, and your boss was in. And I was pregnant at the time. So I was very hormonal. And I literally took a, a cannoli off the table. I said, Kate, I need you to start the next meeting for me. <laughs> and I went into the bathroom and I sat there and I bawled my eyes out like a hot mess eating my cannoli.
1: <laughs> I remember that day. Well, I do. And it's it's hard to, to it's muster up like the courage sometimes to <laughs> speak your truth. But this kind of rebel leadership, these tenets, like it reminds you of like why that's a good idea, why it you know why people should be more courageous in that in that arena.
0: Totally. So speaking of rebel leadership points, we'll get to number five, which is learn everything then forget everything. You recently just went through this with um, our take on leads. Talk oh, to me about how you're feeling about this point. It's very uncomfortable.
1: It's so uncomfortable. And my strengths, I'm a big proponent of the Strengths Finder, the Gallup Strengths Finder. And so, Achiever, I just retook it. Consistency, responsibility came up in my top five, which they weren't before. Um, but, so that tells me about myself, like i again, I sometimes rely too heavily on a playbook. This has worked. Why are we changing the playbook? um Well, there's certain conditions that have entered into our world. We don't have a choice. we have right. to, given the resources that we have um and so it's forcing ourselves to um to to again, it's going back to the first one is is Thinking and seeking new ways, right? And so, how can we do this differently and still achieve our goals?
0: The sixth tenant of rebel leadership is finding freedom in constraints. So, many people feel like they just can't innovate because the parameters of their job are too constrained. But I would argue the opposite of that. I think with the proper guardrails and expectations that we set of people, that's when they thrive most. But many leaders are just not clear about what those expectations of the role are or the task at hand are. And therefore they're swirling and, the, and that person is just like floundering in this unknown of what, what am I, what is the end goal? I mean, I think about sports, right? Right. Um, you can't play any sport without knowing what the end goal is. Right. You can't excel at a sport if you don't know how to score. Right, so it's like there's so much in this that is so common sense, and yet, and yet leaders kind of shy away from that expectation setting, thinking people will strive to do better without those.
1: Right, and there's a there's a quote by Billie Jean King that I recently watched a Netflix documentary. I think it was called The Playbook, and it's a sports type of documentary where they're highlighting different coaches and their journeys. Um, and there's pressure, uh, there's privilege and pressure is the quote. And that resonated with me. And it also kind of, um, kind of fits into, to this particular tenet of finding freedom and constraints. It's like, okay, here we are with pressure and you're, you're, you're constraining us even more, but the pressure from pressure can, there's a lot of great things that can come from that. And recognizing the responsibility, being able to say, you know what? I'm committed to the cause. I'm going to rise to the occasion. Um, you know, I think about that. Is it picha kucha, that Japanese um, presentation where you're given six minutes and 40 seconds and you can only have 20 slides and you're trying to present or sell your idea? And Ooh, it's I've like, never
0: heard of that before
1: it's called Patriot Cooch. I think it started in Tokyo, but it's, um, they, you know, you, they have these presentation type of competitions and you can only have 20 slides, six minutes and 40 seconds. I think it's the time slot, but it forces you to distill what is the most important thing that you're trying to achieve and address what that is. Same with resources. I mean, I think we're all in a world where resources are constrained, especially with the pandemic. And so, while sometimes initially we think we can't, this there's no way we can make this work. Right. Right? Well guess what? We've got to figure it out. Right. right. So once you're forced to to do that, um, I think it it's surprising what what comes up in that distillation of these are the most important things when yeah. it's all said and done. That's
0: such a good point. Cause I was reading this, um, as finding freedom in constraints of like roles. Cause that's very much the world I live in every day is like fine. It's placing the right people in the right roles and really defining expectations of their job and the vision. Um, but you're totally right. Like finding freedom in budget constraints, right? You know, fr- finding freedom in constraints and parameters on a project you're working on. This can take many facets and, being willing to innovate within those constraints is where real magic happens because no one has a blank check.
1: No one has endless
0: resources.
1: And I think that's what forces you to innovate. And I think she uses in her book, the green eggs and ham example, where I think the publisher was there not a bet or something where write a book with, was it 50 words or something? And Mm -hmm. that's how the green eggs and ham book And if there's only 50 words, I never do that. There's only 50 words in the book. And so again, it forces you to come up with a different product that you probably wouldn't have arrived at previously.
0: So the seventh one is lead from the trenches. So I feel like this is where I I just love it. I love leading from the trenches it fires me up. It makes me more creative because I feel like the more you get disconnected from the actual work that your organization is producing, the more you're just a blind leader. You think that your processes and procedures and expectations are are working in reality, and then you see them Working through those things and and talking to clients and the hard conversations and the good conversations and all the roller coaster loop de loops that happen on a day to day basis. If you're not in there with the team, showing them that you care and you're willing to unlearn the things that you put in place, you are so disconnected.
1: You are. I mean, I think it's important. A, you've got to, if you're going to ask someone or expect someone to do something, you've got to be able to roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, and step in there with them. We have event marketing is a big part of what we do uh, at Regis University, where I work. And some of our biggest event days, 100 to 150 people, you know, my role that day is to be um, either I'm in the parking lot directing people in inside, or I'm hanging up coats um, for Mm -hmm. people, or I'm checking people in. So I want to be right there with you know all of the staff that are that are helping serve these students that day, but um, I couldn't agree more with this one. This probably is one of the ones that resonates the most with me.
0: And last but certainly not least, fostering happy accidents. So this one is really about believing in workspaces and teams that cross pollinate. Um, silo smashing is another is another thing. We. We preach this every day. And in fact, we're making a huge organizational change today that really puts the right minds together. I think about our our conversation earlier about the whiteboard and getting the right people at the table to hear others' diverse opinions. Um, That's where the best innovation comes, is when you get that left field idea from somebody who has no title, no reason for giving that idea in terms of on paper but then they they hit you with it and and it smacks you in the face because it's so, most of the best ideas you feel like are so in plain sight that you're just so in it when you're that subject matter expert and you just cannot see it until you get that fresh perspective.
1: Yeah, and it's hard sometimes when you're in the day-to-day operations to see the big picture. It's forcing ourselves to step away. Some of my best ideas have come when I've been away from work, completely away from work, um, because I think it's it's hard to force ourselves to step back and look at the big picture. But it's creating that space for people where failure is OK and sometimes can be our best source of inspiration.
0: So is that where all your good ideas come when you you are at the spa in Colorado looking at the, looking spa, at the when
1: I'm on the Peloton, when I'm <laughs> running, when I'm um, walking in my neighborhood? I mean, they, they certainly don't come when I'm sitting behind my laptop
0: yeah that's that's for sure getting that getting a breath of fresh air taking a deep breath reflecting getting a dose of of inspiration and then going and powering through the next day that's right thank you so much kate it was so much fun
1: my pleasure thank you allison